It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are we doing today, sir? Doing well. You know, we're starting to get a little bit more information as OTAs are uh, starting to finish up and we're we're one week away from minicamp and then it's the long journey into a uh, but you say you've got exciting stuff for us in June, so or, or for June and July. So I'm excited about that. But other than, otherwise, we're not going to get a lot of words out of uh, the Cowboys uh, over the next month. You shouldn't be because they're going to be conversations that you absolutely hate having, and I'm going to love every minute oh, of it. Jeez, but it's going to be fun. I, I I thought about going back and talking about some of our favorite games from our childhood and stuff. So we'll, we'll we've got some cool things coming. Okay, up. but uh, coming up coming up on today's show, we finish our. Cowboys previews of every single position. Uh, today we are actually going to preview the Cowboys special teams uh, and they actually have a lot of changes on special teams and starting up at the top uh, Rich Bisaccia, you know, the Cowboys special teams coach for a long time has moved on to Oakland uh, to join John Gruden and the Raiders and the Cowboys have promoted Keith O'Quinn who has been with the team since 2006. Uh, over the last four years he's been an assistant to Bisaccia Talk to us a little bit about Keith Quinn, Keith O'Quinn, what you know about him, and do you expect much to change for the Cowboys on special teams this year? I, I don't really. I mean, I, I think outside of the rule changes that we will discuss, you know, a little bit how that's going to sure. affect. But philosophically, I, philosophically though, though I, I don't know that you know as far as like you know anything that's affected by coaching change is going to change too much. I mean, I think, but we don't really know. I mean, that's the interesting thing is that you know Keith O'Quinn has kind of been this long term employee for the Cowboys and he's worked on a couple of different uh, you know, a couple of different fronts bouncing obviously between scouting and coaching and, and kind of in a very I mean just he's just a, a, a Rita League coaching job away from a very Will McClay type uh, <laughs> a rise through the ranks in the Cowboys uh, can, I, can, I, can I go through them yeah, real go, quick? Please, I'll, please. I'll go through them yeah, really yeah, quickly from from 2006 to 2008, he was a pro scout for the Cowboys. Then he left for a year to be the director of pro personnel for the Browns. Came back in, in 2010 and was the offensive quality control coach and the offensive assistant coach. Then in 2011, he was moved to the wide receivers coach. 2012, back to offensive quality control. 2013, 
Uh, he was the assistant wide receiver coach, and then from 2014 on, he was the assistant special teams coach. So a lot of different hats worn by Keith O'Quinn with the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I could be wrong, but is he, and this is a bad radio, which ask a question I don't know to, but was he the guy that, is he really um, involved in analytics? Because I feel like, yes, yes. okay, yes. I, I thought so. That, that, I feel like I remember when he um, left for the Browns job, that there was a, a lot of uproar about, or well, that was when we kind of discovered that he had been doing a lot of analytic stuff for the Cowboys, and that was why he got the job for the Browns. Because I think the Browns, you know, when, he, when they hired him, make a big, made a big deal about the fact that you know he had this analytics background. This is right when analytics had started to become a, a kind of buzzword. But um, it's interesting because you know he, like we said, he, he bounced back and forth between you know scouting and coaching. Uh, he, he had been last year uh, the assistant uh, special teams coach, with, I think was his title. Um, so, you know, obviously he had been learning at, at, the, at the feet of, 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 uh, of the previous regimes that had been here and, 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 and obviously most recently Basachi as he was here. Um, and, and I think that obviously, you know, I think that because of that, we're not going to see, you know, usually when we see guys who were mentored by the previous administration's uh, uh, you know, coaching position group or whatever it is, you know, whether it's uh, 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 Frank Pollock and Bill Callahan, you, you know, you usually don't see too much change when the assistant takes over for a leaving master. You know what I'm saying? So I, 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 th- I think yeah. that I think it's probably pretty safe to say that we're going to get uh, a, a very similar, um, uh, you know, kind of situation there. Now, you know, obviously is is. O'Quinn, the same kind of inspirational, you know, uh, uh, coach that uh, Basachi was, and, and you know, really understood how to connect to the players. Maybe not, but is he? Uh, does he have his own, you know, strengths that make him a valuable uh, coach? Uh, I think that that's likely. I, I've heard a lot about his attention to detail and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because this is obviously a guy that they, is clearly a football guy who has. Uh, a bunch of talents in a, a lot of different ways. It's going to be interesting to see now that he has kind of stepped forward into a position where we can actually see his his work, you know, applied directly. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what kind of uh, influence he has on special teams. All right, so I've got a lot of thoughts on this, but it also, I mean, a lot of this just ties together. So let's go ahead and talk about the rule changes really quickly, and we'll tie it back to Keith O'Brien. Okay. Uh, the NFL changed the rules for kickoffs this year. Uh, basically, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, they have eliminated the the wedge blocks. Um, they've also created, I believe, is it a twenty yard zone where there's no blocking allowed? Yes, is that yes. correct? And there's also no so there's a twenty also, yard there's zone also with no blocking, no running starts anymore uh, for the kickoff teams. They're, they're they they can't. Uh, which, which is very important. Yeah. Which is very important because now you need guys that can get up to top speed pretty quickly, and, uh, can get down the field, and then don't need that extra five yards to to uh, start building momentum. They've also they're also now dictating the how the players uh, can be distributed across the line. Uh, horizontally on the kickoff, so you can't. You have you, you have to have you can't like over like you know how you in an onside kick you overload one side and kick towards it. Sure, you can't do that anymore. Uh, you can't. Uh, there's rules like you have to have four players between the sideline and the numbers, uh, four players between the numbers and the, the hash, etc. So they, they they specifically dictate that that as well, so that there are defined lanes, so that you can't like overload a side. I think is what the idea there is. 
And then on, t- on top of that, also, I think so, you you you, uh, you don't have to catch the ball for a touchback in, anymore. If it lands in the end zone, it's automatically a touchback. Uh, and then I think you can fair catch the fair catch it now, um, or maybe I think I know I think you could before. I think that was a proposal. But I think I think I, I, but I think now what we're probably going to see is that it's going to be an uptick of it because uh, now we should talk about what we think the results of this are going to be, but. To me, yes. Uh, I mean, what are you? What are your thoughts? I, I, I am pretty. I, I, well, I, I was just gonna. Go ahead. I was just getting back to that where um, his his background as a scout might really help him with this new rule change. Uh, he's going to be used to you know dealing with a lot of different players, um, and he might know. Listen, there's going to be positions that offer you more speed and because you don't need that wedge, you know, the wedge buster anymore. And maybe you'll be better off to go with guys that offer you speed, like more cornerbacks or wide receivers on the roster. And we know that he has experience with coaching wide receivers. So I'm just curious what type of players he's going to be searching out for. Uh, I'm assuming Keith O'Quinn is going to be the special teams coach for the next several years. So I'm going to be curious to see what type of players he's going to bring in to fill some of those roles. Now, you mentioned that this could completely change the Uh, complexion of your roster because maybe you don't need to carry so many tight ends on the roster because you don't need that wedge buster or maybe you don't need an extra linebacker and you prefer speed. Um, I'm going to be really, really interested to see what he does uh, with the, you know, the bottom end of the roster guys and how the Cowboys make the decisions when it comes cut time uh, for the special teams unit. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, it's, it could have a lot of different effects, but I think, you know, one of the big things immediately is, yeah, I, I think you're going to start seeing kickoff teams look a lot more like punt coverage teams because of this, and, and you kind of mentioned that. That means uh, probably more athletes on the field because of the, the elimination of the two-man wedge blocks and, and, and the, not having the wedge busters anymore. I think that, yeah, I, I think you're not going to see, uh, you know, you occasionally see defensive ends sometimes, you know, some of the more athletic defensive ends playing uh, in, the, in these lines and, and, and definitely linebackers of all sorts. And I think... The Cowboys are going to have a little bit of an advantage, and all these teams that have that play with fast linebackers, off-ball linebackers, because they're going to have uh, an athlete that's probably perfectly suited to play these kickoff coverage teams now, especially because you don't because you're not having to worry about big body blockers on there. Linebackers become the alpha dogs on these on these uh, kickoff coverage. So, like a Joe Thomas, would would a Joe Thomas make a lot of sense as a special teams guy? I mean. Let's talk about March Lillard at this point, right? Like a guy like if they were That's if, they, if they were trying to fit a guy like March Lillard on this team, I, I think now even more so than before, uh, you, you're looking at a, a spot where uh, you you're gonna be able to fit a guy like this, and, and even more when you're talking about the fact that I mean, even last year, like and we can kind of transition this into the, the you know the tackling part of it if, you, if, if we want to, but you know last year they basically. You know the the main tacklers on their special teams units, as far as solo shares were, were, were you know safeties. I mean, the three of the five leading tacklers on this team were were already safeties. You know, Byron Jones and GF Heath and mm. Kayvon Frazier, um, and 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 you know we did lose Keith Smith, who was a fullback, and we did lose Kyle Wilber, who was a linebacker. But you know the thought process could be there that maybe those guys aren't. I mean, I don't know that Kyle Wilber necessarily would be on as many units. This season, that may you know, because of these rule changes, maybe maybe that some of the shift in the personnel and in, in effect of those rule changes wouldn't have made 
those bigger body guys, uh, you know, as viable. Now, obviously, Smith may be different because you, you probably still need a guy who can play a personal protector type play, you know, that sort of thing. But but I, I'm just saying that, you know, this could have an effect on down roster players and your roster composition because as opposed to uh, some teams having, you know, their defensive ends and, you know, their bigger linebackers playing, a lot of that onus may be shifted back to safeties and linebackers and corners and, you know, and wide receivers that, 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 that can uh, that can tackle. So, uh, you know, what that, that may play right into the Cowboys' hands if they wanted to try to go long at wide receiver and short at tight end or wanted to go long at corner and uh, safety and sh- a little bit shorter at linebacker. That, that would uh, – or, you know – some other spots. I think that would, you know, all play well into special teams. And, and one more point, just on Keith O'Quinn before we move on. Uh, you know, a sure. large part of what this job is, from what we understand, is about what you talked about: identifying guys who can play the spots based on the pool of talent that they don't really get to have a say in uh, how it's constructed. The special teams coach obviously gets the least amount of say among all of the coaches as to what players get drafted. Now, of course, you know, that they're, they're, they try to, you know, get guys that, 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 you know, maybe in later rounds that could be good special teams aces for a coach. But but a large portion of the pool that you're pulling from are players that you have not necessarily selected. So I think it's it, the interesting part about him being a former scout is that, uh, you know, and one of the parts that made Bisaccia so great is that he was great with working with, you know, both offensive, defensive. He got along with all these guys, and, and he understood how to get the most out of them and, and what he was trying to do with limited practice reps and limited time to have them studying that that specific part of their job. Hopefully, Keith O'Quinn it, it will have equal ability to identify those guys because of his uh, past as, you know, a, 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 another positional scout first and also uh, a, a positional coach, rather, and then also, obviously, his history in the scouting department. I'm just going to mention two quick guys that could potentially be um, impact players on special teams this year. Uh, Cameron Kelly, we've talked about him a lot in this podcast, but uh, this is a guy that has the size of a safety, the speed of a cornerback. If he's going to make it in this league, he's going to have to play special teams, and I think that's a, an ideal candidate to have on you know, one of your coverage units. Um, Tavarius Ward, the cornerback. Yeah, and they ahead. just moved him back to safety. Today he was taking snaps at, in OTA's practice at Perfect. safety, which I think increases his likelihood of actually making the squad as Absolutely. opposed to being uh, – you know, and, and, and especially, as you said, because he could be a special teams ace. Yes, and I, I think he's actually a safety in the NFL, and that's perfect. And we've talked about on a previous podcast how the Cowboys don't have a lot of safeties outside of Jeff Heath, Kavon Frazier, and Xavier Woods. So I think Kelly could catch on as that fourth uh, safety. Uh, the other guy I want to mention real quick is Javarius Ward, another guy that has safety size uh, but cornerback speed at four four four. If you want to get more athletes on the field on special teams, he's a guy to keep in mind. Um, let's go ahead and talk about some of the specialists. Uh, Dan Bailey last year had a down year. It was it, it was the worst year of his career. He was 15 of 20 uh, on his field goal attempts. He dealt with a couple of different injuries. He dealt with a groin injury that uh, knocked him out for, I believe it was four games. He also dealt with a bad back. Uh, we've now seen in the last three years his his per, uh, accuracy go down. He was just 75% last year. 2016 was 84%. 2015 was 93%. Are you concerned about Dan Bailey at all going forward? Uh, I, I think I, I need to see one more. I think the last season and a half, really, he's been dealing with uh, a variety of injuries in those 
in his lower chain. Um, and so I, I think, you know, to me, uh, I, I want to see him after a whole season of trying to get healthy uh, and, and see what he uh, is able to do before I'm uh, uh, before I'm like sounding the alarm. I, I, it's definitely not something that I I'm like oh yeah don't worry about Dan Bailey. I'm not like I'm not brushing it off at all because I do think that you know there's obviously legitimately something there and, and an injury is a part a large part of it. But because injury is a large part of it, uh, that's why I'm also willing to not panic about it yet until i see some more if it carries on to the to field again this year then then i i think we have reason to be concerned i i, I think the decreasing percentage i mean 75 percent is not good number at all um but 84 no. percent field goal is you know it's certainly not what we're used to with dan bailey but it's also not bad at all Either I mean you know Dan Bailey no it's right about it's right around yeah. average in the so uh, yeah, right yeah. I mean so Dan Bailey having a bad year and being an average NFL kicker is not something that's going to you know, lead me to panic quite yet I understand his salary is not such that he should be uh, you know kicking as an average kicker but uh, you know Dan Bailey is worth every has has been worth whatever we paid him and has paid for himself already as far as I'm concerned uh, and so like. I, I am more than willing to continue to give him time and space before I'm willing to begin having a conversation about, you know, looking for another kicker or anything like that. I mean, I think that, you know, we need to see where how he comes out of it after an off season of, of dealing with trying to fix it uh, and, and, you know, see what we've got here. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't know that it's quite time to sound the alarm. I struggle with this one because I really like Dan Bailey and my belief with him is I think he's so level headed that he'll eventually figure it out. And once he's healthy enough, um, he should be at least adequate, but we've seen sometimes that these kickers just, they get in these slumps and they have a hard time getting out of it. Uh, Mike Vanderjet is the perfect example of him being, you know, one of the most accurate kickers of all time, having a few bad misses and never being able to get out of it. But unlike Vanderjet, yeah, I feel I like say. Bailey is a lot more – he's more mentally yeah. stable, and that does give me confidence. I, I think with Bailey, one of the things is we'll know pretty quickly if he's back to yeah. normal. I, I would say within the first month of the season, we'll know. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, but to me, it's Vanderjet versus Bailey is the Des Bryant versus other wide receiver argument, I think. You know, where Vanderjet is always was always so good. You know, and then when his, you know, body finally starts started working against him a little bit, like he he didn't react to it well, you know, and uh, and it and it it spun his giving with kicking, you know, it's obviously completely different than wide receiver, but it's but maybe it's even more uh, about being in tune with your body and understanding, you know. Like, you know, because it's like golf, you know, it's like it's it's mind and body being yes. like you're doing the exact same motion every single time and just altering it so subtly in order to do, you know, what you need to do. It's wide receiver is a lot more, you know, uh, is a lot more leeway. It's just a much more physical position. But my point being that to me, Dan Bailey is the kind of guy who is obsessive about correcting flaws in his in his, you know, technique He's he's obsessive about he has the mentality of that type of pl- pl- player who 
if he was a wide receiver, he would be the kind who is not – he's a not flashy wide receiver who plays in the league for 15 years because he is such a technician that he does it exactly the same for 12 years, you know? So I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think that I think that it's, you know – I don't know the extent of these injuries that Bailey is dealing with as far as long-term. And I think that's all part of what we're going to see when he comes out. But if we're talking about a temporary situation that just, he couldn't, you know, heal fast enough last year, I have no doubt that if it's just a matter of getting his, his, his form back into place, that he can find his way back a lot easier than a Vanderjack, uh, you know, a lot of these other kickers who, uh, you know, he, I mean, he was just, Vanderjack's like, Oh, he's such a bad example of a kicker because he's just such. He just had such a non-kicker <laughs> attitude, you know. It was it was unbelievable how cocky he was and 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 just blew up in his face so spectacularly. All right, let's move on to uh, maybe my favorite player on the entire wow! team, uh, Chris Jones. <laughs> oh, I, oh, Chris I, Jones. I know that's how you're gonna say LP Latasur, who is the best player in the, in the team. Uh, El- I-, I I forgot to even put him in our. You show forgot sheet, to put but, the best player uh, <laughs> on at his individual position, maybe in the NFL on this special teams list, Marcus. Wow! <laughs> listen, so I had. I- I'm worried about you this offseason, ro- buddy. What's going on? <laughs> I know. Listen, for the Cowboys roster guide, I I wrote up a scouting report on LP, and I had to come up with three negatives for him. Uh, that's luck. awfully hard Good to do when you luck. have a guy that has. Ne- <laughs> Yeah, so here's what I came up with. Are you His ready? His name is hard to pronounce. Uh, doesn't have, <laughs> doesn't have position flex. Uh, he's never played another position. Uh, doesn't have elite athleticism. He had a seven four three cone. Although that's the same three cone time as Demarcus Lawrence. Just to throw wow. that out there, uh, and just sixteen career tackles despite playing like eighteen thousand years. So uh, yeah, we should mention LP. He's he's the greatest. He's awesome. He's uh, thirty seven years old and he can walk out in public and nobody knows who he is, but he's a multimillionaire. Uh, let's move on to my actual favorite player on the team, Chris Jones. Uh, man, he was good last year. I, I don't know why he didn't get more recognition. I don't even think he was voted to the Pro Bowl. Uh, but I, I've got some just just insane stats for him. Uh, last year he led the league in uh, punt return yards allowed. Uh, he allowed just, get this, 75 return yards uh, last year, the best in the league. And this shouldn't surprise you, but he also led the league in average hang time with 4.69 seconds. And those things kind of tie together. Uh, Dallas wasn't looking for distance on their punts last year. They finished just in the middle of the pack. But when you look at gross, or sorry, net return yards, there was nobody better in the NFL uh, than the Dallas Cowboys on, on the punt game. Jones was fantastic. I've mentioned before in this podcast how he basically won them the Giants game in the first week of the season with three punts inside the five-yard line. Uh, he led the league in inside the 20 percentage. Um, just a fantastic player. Um, he, you know, he even has the ability to uh, make plays in the fake punt return oh game we saw twice last year with the Eagles and with the Raiders. Just a really, really solid player. And he wasn't always this player early in his career. Uh, he was very inconsistent when he first started with the Cowboys. Yeah. Now I think he is in the conversation for the best punter in the league. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, 
can you think of a less assuming person than than, than he is? Like, I mean, and that's the, the yeah. He has a nickname, it, it, the Punisher, and and, the, 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 and it's like nice. and it's like I forgot about that. He had the nice hit against Detroit in oh 2016. I kind of forgot about that I mean, play. That <laughs> against Detroit, that guy. Who was it? Too, I can't remember. It was it was uh, was it Andre Reed? I can't remember. But but yeah, it might yeah, have been. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I I mean. And 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 you know obviously you, you you rattled it all off. I mean the guy he he came in early uh, in his career and and he was okay. Like you know I, I mean you know if you remember he followed Matt McBriar who had had a, a, a very good career here and who was absolutely who was, yes. Was, uh, I mean still, I mean I still think probably more well known than 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 uh, than Jones is. And, and I think part of it I, I really do. I really do think a part of it is that his name is Chris Jones. Like, you know, like it's, it's, oh, it's yeah, just it's so like yeah, yes. generic. It's like create a player name. Like, it's like, oh, I forgot to fill this out. So I put Chris Jones. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, it, but I, I mean, as well known as McBriar was, like, Jones in his last few years has been better than McBriar ever was. And, 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 oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's, I mean, and that's not a slight against McBriar. It's just that. Jones is probably one of you know you just said it. Jones may be the best punter in the league. You know, if not, he's in the conversation. He's in the top three. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's just it, here's the other thing about Jones is he just he he doesn't do anything flashy. He's no. not like that Marquette King who was in Oakland. He's not a big guy. Actually, he's pretty small for the but position. But he's a good he's athlete. Six foot, two hundred pounds. He's such a good athlete too. Right like, and. T- he ran that. Typically, he ran that you're fake looking punch. for these guys that are like six foot three. Yeah, he yeah. ran that fake punch, and he was he was good. And it was like, and he really was booking too. And and and, and that ta- and the tackles that he makes, like he's a good athlete, you know. And I, I think the other thing that we need to mention again, kind of going back to LP Latasur a little bit, is that he's been he's been part of the holding team that has been you know before this these last few seasons was part of that incredible streak for Dan Bailey and, and their, and uh, that percentage that they had, you know, previous those last year. So he, he's a large part of, of that as well. So I just think that, you know, you've got such a great trio in that, in that LP Latticeur, uh, the, the true specialist, the LP Latticeur, Chris Jones, Dan Bailey trio, uh, you know, really the only concern you have at this point is, the guy that you probably had the least concern for previously, and, and Dan Bailey, sure. and that's uh, to me again. I think it comes down to uh, his his health, and if he can stay healthy, I have no doubts that he can get back on track. Just one more last stat on Chris Jones: he had sixty six punts last year, thirty four were pinned inside the twenty yard line. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Just five touchbacks last year. Uh, just amazing. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the returners. We got just a few minutes left in the show. Who do you expect to be the main returners for both the kickoff and punt return units? Now that Ryan Switzer's gone, he handled the work in 2017. Lucky Whitehead returned it in 2016. Who do you expect to take over those duties this year? Well, I just don't really know what to make of the kickoff return situation, like because I don't really know what like what you're looking for as a kickoff for a kickoff returner now. You know, because I think that uh, I, I think that it's probably very similar position, but I, I think you're also what you're going to end up seeing is a lot of teams are going to try to moon kick these things. I think, and I think that that is going to mean that you're going to want somebody who's got a, maybe a little bit more punt returner kind of judgment on that sort of thing because. 
uh, you know, I think that you, what you can also see is an increase in uh, in fair catches, and, and so um, hmm. I, I think that it, you know, Tavon Austin to me is the name that obviously kind of you know sticks out as far as potential you know playmaking uh, uh, you know return. Um, you know, now that with Switzer's gone, and, and you, you know, you, you've still got. You still got uh, uh, you still got Beasley. So you know, worst comes to worst, you could put Beasley out there as a punt returner. You probably could put Beasley out there as a kick returner, um, and then just you know, you could go from there. I wouldn't be surprised if they you know if they felt like they needed you know a little bit bigger guy. I wouldn't be surprised if you know someone like Rod Smith uh, took some snaps there or. Um, Bo Scarborough also has some experience back there. If you want to use him as a kick sure. returner, as as a kick it, returner, not as a. I mean, returner. it really depends on. I, I mean, I think the whole the whole question of of what's going to happen in the kickoff return is going to be interesting because I think team to team, there's going to people are going to have different answers on what they're going to try to do. Some I think sure. some teams are, are probably going to try to fair catch or touchback every single kickoff. Uh, and I think that some teams uh, are going to try to moon kick, and I think some teams are going to mix it up. So, you know, I just think that really, for, for from a kick return standpoint, I, I think I would be trying to just triage the situation. I'm just trying to, you know, get get the kickoff return done in, in the safest way, and and maybe not cons- if it's me, and maybe not concern myself too much on. Uh, trying to make a big play out of it because I just feel like that, that they've it, it, that they've taken a lot of the ability away and they're already giving you 25 yards for a touchback. Like I, I think I, I would I would probably tell my team, hey, let's just not let disaster strike uh, because of the, this new rule change is going to create football scenarios that are probably unique to you guys because you've never really seen teams consistently moon kick you know, kicks on kickoffs with while standing flat footed kickoff, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just a lot of new variables that it's like, why, you know, I think if you're the receiving team that you've got a lot to lose there, you know? So I I think, I think it might be safe, but it might be better for some teams to just play it safe and take the 25 yards, whenever they can. Um, And I'll mention a couple guys really quickly. Uh, Jordan Lewis got some snaps as a punt returner last year for the Cowboys. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a backup option. Cedric Wilson has experience as both a punt and kick returner. Uh, We kind of both expect him to make the team. Uh, He could also be an option. You mentioned Tavon. uh, Bo Scarborough, Rod Smith, also options on kick return. All right, it's time to grade the unit. Dominant, solid, needs work, or... Uh, uh, smoking crater. What would you call the Dallas Cowboys special teams unit entering 2018? I uh, I believe in Dan Bailey, so I I call this a dominant group. I mean, I think I mean it's hard. I, I think it's hard not to even even considering uh, uh, even if you're down a little bit down on Dan Bailey, uh, because I mean if we're just talking about this, we're just kind of grading this unit as those three players because we kind of have graded the rest of the special teams units in their own respective rooms. Uh, I mean, you know, you sure. got a guy who has literally never fumbled, a, has never missed a snap in the LP Lattice or literally in a, in a 12 or whatever, however many years he's been playing now. 13, 13 seasons. seasons. 13 seasons. Never missed a snap, ever. Uh, we've got a guy, Chris Jones, who we, we just talked about maybe being the best, if not the top three punters in the league. Uh, 
And then we talked about a guy who, you know, until he had an injury, was the most accurate kicker in NFL history, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I, mean, I think right. I, I think that's probably a dominant group. And I would agree with you. If you're just looking at those three guys, I would say a dominant group as an entire unit. You know, factoring their punt return, kick return. There's just a lot of unknown uh, there. It's tough, uh, you know. There is, and that's that's why I would say just a, a you know a very very solid group leaning toward dominant. I expect them to be at least very good on special teams again this year. I think they have the potential to be better. Um, if they use Tavon in that role as a kick and punt returner, I think they have a chance to be really, really explosive. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you guys for following along our Cowboys roster preview. Um, you can go back on uh, on iTunes, check out all those episodes. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much listening to those. So make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Lanon at McCoolBTB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.